right, everybody, welcome back to this episode of BG Weekly. As you can see, if you're watching this video, things are a little bit different. You know, for today, you've just got me. Uh, Marlena has stepped aside and has a new role as the head writer for BGFC. So if you're signed up for the newsletter, you will get to still see her work in the newsletter. Today on the podcast, we have Coach Evan. What's up, Coach? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, but before we jump into the to conversation with Coach today... Let's go over kind of how things are looking right now heading into the final weekend of the Kentucky-Tennessee Premier Division. Still at the, at the top of the table, we have Beeman United with 22 points on a goal differential of plus 40. That's just laughable. That's just laughable. Um, however, they haven't played since May 14th, so whoever gets to play them in the first round of the playoffs, they're going to be a little rusty, I'm afraid. In second place, we currently still have Deportivo with 19 points and a goal differential of plus 7. Uh, for those who are, are newer to the podcast, they are the newer team out of E-Town. They only have losses to Beeman United, Interbide, and BGFC. So they've had a really solid first season. Um, and they're definitely in the playoff. Seeding may pend um, this weekend's results. Most likely they'll be the three seed, though. Then we jump down to the current number three team, Interbite FC, with 18 points and a goal differential of plus 20. That's it's half of what Beeman had, but still is, is laughable how how much some of these top tier clubs have been. Uh, if you remember, Interbite was the game that BGFC upset them, um, preventing them from taking that number one seed into the playoffs. Um, they still have a matchup remaining this weekend, uh, but they will most likely wind up with the two seed and hosting a home match. Then in fourth place, your BGFC Golden Lions on a three-game unbeaten streak. We are locked into the playoffs. However, we'll dive into this more with Coach Evan. I think we're probably locked into that 4-5 matchup. Maybe we can sneak into third, but we'll have to see how things play out. And fifth seed, your last playoff team for this year, your Nashville Knights. 15 points, go differential of plus 10. Uh, for a team that started 0-4, the former Music City side has really turned things around. Um, they have a huge matchup this weekend against Interbide that will really change um, how things uh, play out in the playoffs. Now moving into the teams that are not going to qualify for the playoffs. Midwest Hooligans, 11 points, goal differential of negative 6. They were at a zero differential before this past weekend's game against Interbide, negative 6 to, uh, in that game for them. So they did upset BGFC, but that was pretty much their only big win of the season. Seventh place, Pumas Premier with three points. I don't know what's going on with that team. We'll talk to Coach in just a second about them. I know they've had a couple of cancellations, postponements all over the place. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we'll dive into them. And also, please stop calling yourself Paducah's team. You play in Mayfield, which is 45 minutes south. You are not in Paducah. Paducah deserves a much better team. Eighth place, we have Coptic City, Nashville. Zero points. Negative 72. That's not a joke. Negative 72. Look it up on the UPSL website if you're, if you're curious. Um, I hate to say it, but I urge the UPSL to consider not inviting them back to next year's uh, spring season, at least, because that's not a professional or semi-professional organization. And then somehow E-Town Ignite, Elizabeth Town Ignite has negative one points. I don't understand that. I didn't know you could go negative, but they, there they are. Um, negative one points with a goal differential of negative 28. So now, as we mentioned earlier, we got coach Evan here, coach. I want to start talking about you. I want to know the, the people that don't know the club. I want them to get to know you a little bit more. 
First question, though, very, very important. I'm starting off with a superheater. Okay, you ready? <laughs> okay. And this is like a 90th minute header into the back of the net. We'll take that. You're from Lexington sure. originally, that area. Mm-hmm. Why is your favorite, or I'm sorry, what is your favorite restaurant and why is it Ramsey's? Oh, is it Ramsey's now? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It has to be Ramsey's. Uh, well, Ramsey's is the best place. It's a quality place. place for sure, but there's an Italian place there called Giuseppe's. Oh, yes. Absolutely phenomenal on Nicholsville Road. Yeah, yeah. I used to go there all the time. Just like, south there, yeah. Great little date night place. Fantastic food. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you. That is that is a really good place. <laughs> I do love Ramsey's. Whenever I go back to Lexington, I always have to eat there, but... Love Ramsey's. It loves me, too. It loves me a lot. <laughs> but Giuseppe's is absolutely, if there's one place I could go to in Lexington, that's where I want to be. Okay. So, yeah. so, Coach, talk to us a little bit about growing up with soccer. What was it like for you? Where did you play? Sure. Some of that stuff. Well, I grew up, my dad started a club there called Storm. And mm-hmm. uh, so when I was nine years old, we started playing club. And uh, I'll be honest, we kind of created a, what we thought was an all-star team in our area. Of course, there you this go. This was years and years ago. Um, and I'll never forget our first game. We played a team out of Louisville called Javanaugh, and they smoked us like 9 nil. <laughs> and we had no idea what would have hit us. But uh, over the years, as we went on and on, it took us about five or six years. We ended up getting to the two state finals. And so I mm. uh, went on and played in college uh, from there at Cumberland College, which was a top 25 NAIA program. Um, went in as one of 17 freshmen. Uh, we had guys from all over the country. Our coach was a phenomenal recruiter. And so we played Lindsey Wilson was in our conference, who's mm-hmm. you know, at that time they actually won the national championship my sophomore year. That's so we, interesting. These yeah. smaller schools like in Kentucky that have such a history of soccer that not that many people know about. Yeah. Well, Lindsey Wilson had at that time, you know, FIFA became kind of a really impressive video game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could look on FIFA's at that time you could go on the Kenyan national team on FIFA yeah and most of that team was playing for Lindsey Wilson there was there <laughs> so. was a guy that played for Lindsey Wilson um, so I was an RA at, at Murray State and I had a resident who went to Lindsey Wilson as undergrad I swear the story connects back to soccer yeah. but uh, his roommate was a player that actually played for the crew from Lindsey Wilson uh, probably Sean Francis yes oh my yeah. god yes Sean Francis yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sean. Huh. Now, Sean and I played men's league together. We actually played in a couple tournaments and stuff. I went on to play. I played one year in PDL, which was okay. an expansion franchise in West Virginia. And mm. so at the time, so kind of how it's structured now, there's no PDL anymore. Right. But MLS had just started. Uh, it was probably four or three years old. Then you had underneath that was A-League, which is now like what would be considered a USL championship, which is where Louisville City is. Right. And then below that was Tier 3, which was PDL. And so that's where I played for a year on a club team or a team called West Virginia Chaos. Um, okay. It's an expansion franchise. Was that the same league as the Nashville Metros? Uh, I think Metros were in a league below that. League below, okay. Uh, they were NPSL, I believe. But, okay. Uh, but anyway, the PDL was, uh, it was a great league. You know, they would put you, you know, they put you into, you know, a host family, different things, and right. you'd have apartments and stuff, and they'd give you a job. But, so is that uh, kind of like the money the, was not what it is today. So you, you know? were paid for some of that? You weren't paid for that. No, not at all. Professional okay. development league. So, ah, yeah. okay. But uh, the goal was, you know, work yourselves in, get scouted, have an opportunity. Could you push yourself into an A-League franchise or something like that? But, um, yeah, I was blessed. I was an All-American in college my senior year, playing Division Two in West Virginia. Nice. I uh, had transferred schools. Uh, and, man, it was, uh, you know, I, I led our conference in goals as a center back with 10 goals and uh, was captain of the team and, you know, loved the game. But uh, 
got done play PDL for a season, um, and then it was time to my, my dad owned a car dealership. But he was uh, we've been in the car de- uh, Chevrolet business for over eighty years. Oh, wow! And so it was going to be four. He knows a thing or two about yeah. cars. I would say. <laughs> dad said, "Hey, it's time for you to come back and work." And uh, I had some injuries and things, and so I came back and started get involved in the car the car world and realized I missed the game, and so I got into coaching. So, so. Other than just kind of missing the game, was there anything else that really was like, I can do this. I can be a successful coach. Well, it's a, I had kind of started. So my high school coach got me involved and his, his wife, unfortunately got cancer Mm. and he was coaching a little U 12 team at the time at storm club where I started. And he reached out to me and said, Hey, would you be interested in, in, in coaching? He said, I always thought you'd be a good coach. I said, I'll try it out. Sure. So. I took this little U12 team, and at the time it was a tournament. The state tournament was like called Soccer Village, or it's called the Eurosport Cup. Um, and it's for U12 teams. I got them all the way to the final. And I was like, hmm, I kind of enjoy doing this. Right. So I started looking into coaching education and things. I got involved with Georgetown College as an assistant coach. Nice. Uh, went there, became the recruit coordinator for them. And then, uh, you know, things just kind of took off. I got a director job when I was about 26. And, uh, Wow. Took a club, a small club in Versailles, uh, which had about 20 teams, and we won three state cups, and then uh, moved over to Lexington, So, and then came down this way. So, And that's a great transition point. So, you know, talking about semi-professionally with BGFC, why did you decide to help start the team, and what made you really interested in starting a team here in Bowling Green? Well, for me, you know, the longer you work in the game, um, you create a ton of relationships with kids and with parents and people. And but I'd always wanted to be involved in my own club and have and own my own club. You know, have mm. potential to make those kinds of decisions and, and possibly build a professional or semi-professional program. Right. Um, and we felt like this community was begging for it. And so, um, you know, there's tons of talent not only in Bowling Green but around the neighboring cities and things. And if we got it right, you know, we felt like it could be pretty impressive and the community would support it. You know, so. That's uh, that was always a dream of mine. I never knew where it would be or where it would, the game would lead me. You know, um, I've had lots of opportunities to do different things, but it's it's led me here. You know, and and uh, it's a great place to raise a family, and, and I'm enjoying the community now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the the first team, you know, our only team right now that we're fielding, we, we'll talk about the youth academy in a second. But what went into building that staff? Like, who did you? Was it just like people you knew, or how did that process work? Well, we had you know. There was a lot of good coaches that decided they wanted to play, you know, mm-hmm. so that kind of worked itself out and then trying to hire the right guys, you know, um, Chad Folk is the goalkeeper director we knew was was really good at what he did and, and locally. And right. so you're also you know on a budget and trying to t- trying to make the pieces fit. And then, uh, you know, Craig and I, we kind of saw the game very similar. Craig Widener. Um, you know, and I felt like he would be a great guy to work with off of each other. You know, you don't always want an assistant coach that's going to tell you, yes, everything's perfect. And Craig is very good at uh, recognizing things that, you know, maybe that you don't see. You know, that's that's the quality of an assistant good coach. Good counterbalance to you. He's also, yeah, exactly. He's also very good at, uh, at managing players, and that's mm-hmm. that's helpful. Um, but, uh, but Craig did a fantastic job while he was here. And now having Sean on staff, we're learning how to work together and things. Uh, he has a lot of value, a lot of experience. Um, so, you know, we're growing in that area. Okay. Um, so now it's kind of shifting gears. Most recent exciting announcement, we started a youth club sure. uh, or youth academy, I should say. So what is your vision for this youth academy? Well, that's a, that's a good question. You know, the number one thing is can we take a young player, 
you know, a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid and develop them all the way to the first team. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that, then can we sell them? Can we get that player? And then the money that's recovered from that, can we recoup that into the resources to develop the program even higher? Build facilities. Right. Build a top-notch coaching staff. Continue to grow the coaching staff. The better coaches you have, the better, the easier it is to develop players. You know, ultimately, the players are the resource. You know, and good players bring other good players here. Um, long-term, we want to we want to have a truly professional uh, paid number one team, senior team. Right. Where the guys come in and they're, you know, potentially USL one players. I don't know that Bowling Green will be big enough to be a USL championship city, but who knows? Um, yeah. But you it never would know. Be perfect fit for USL one. You know, right. we're between Nashville and Louisville. Uh, you've got Lexington now, you've got uh, Memphis, you got Knoxville. So there's USL programs popping up everywhere. But yeah, they do seem pretty aggressive on like adding new teams to that league. Sure. They, and they want it's the key is facilities the key is yep. the city support tourism yep. all that kind of stuff and so bowling green's growing you know it's right. 150,000 people now yeah where's it going to be in five ten years you know 200 at least right like you would Cost, think yeah and so you know lexington's a city with 300,000 mm-hmm. you know we're not that far off right so, if we're 100,000 under mm-hmm. i mean that's going to feel a lot closer than what people may think and you know there's new businesses that are coming in all the time there's a new factory that's coming in on the south end of town um, a battery, Japanese battery company, I yep. believe. Um, there's going to be a new plant in Elizabethtown, so we can probably pull from some of those folks, you know, as their kids get older and stuff like that. Sorry, Ignite and Deportivo, if y'all have any <laughs> plans for having a yeah. youth academies now, nah, we're going to take all those kids. Um, but true, you know, getting back to it, Jimmy, the key is, like I said, can we can we take these kids, you know, that have these dreams, and can we push them to the, the absolute max of their potential? Um you know, and as that goes along the way, you're going to win state cups and do those kinds of things, and that's the fun of the journey. But but can you get those kids to to get it to a place that where they never thought they could get to um, and achieve things that they never knew that they could? They think about it, but do they know how to get there? You right. Know, is there a map to help them get there? Um, and that's, you know, fortunately kind of what I bring to the table and understanding how to do it. been doing it for a long time. I've probably coached over 200 kids that played in college. Wow, with five that's guys. a lot of kids. Yeah, I've worked with five guys that are playing professionally, you know. So, um, latest one hmm. is a kid at uh, Inter Miami right now in May. Yeah, <laughs> and he played for us at you know ninety seven LFC. So, um, but there's a lot of them, and, and you know, as you grow, then that that want that the desire for other kids to want to be a part of that grows. And so then your teams take off, and you got right. a couple really good teams per age group, and and you're growing. So you mentioned that legitimate path to professional soccer here in Bowling Green. What else kind of separates us from some of our competition? Let's not name anyone, but what separates us from some of those other teams? Well, there's a place for everyone, you know, mm-hmm. and, and absolutely, there's you know, there's nothing wrong with having a recreational club, and uh, but to in terms of development, there's there's nobody that touches what we're doing. Uh, from a from our coaching staff being top notch and being truly licensed and qualified, and not just having a piece of paper, but also showing having guys that have done it. Right. That's the difference. We don't, you know, we don't say, you know, we don't have high school kids working with with, you know, youth teams. No. Nope. We have paid professionals that have been right. doing this for a long time. People who so have the experience. Parent, if I'm a parent, do I want my son or daughter who's U twelve? to go play for a coach that's 19 or 20 years old and never really even played at that level, much less had a chance to coach at that level. 
I would want my son or daughter to play for the coach that's been there and done it. Right. Um, and then, you know, be able to be in a pathway where, hey, you know, if we do things right, you know, there is potential for us to, to have those opportunities. Um, you know, our teams, our youth teams are going to be playing other USL academies. Yeah. They'll be playing NISA academies. Um, you know, eventually we'll set up friendlies where we're playing, you know, some Nashville academy teams. That That's on the agenda. Our 06s are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, back-to-back state champion type team. Uh, most of those kids are, are coming into the program. And we've sent two of our players to Nashville Academy. Hmm. So from that team. so To the MLS Academy? Yes, to the MLS Academy. There's wow. three of them. There's uh, 107 and 206s that are down there now. Um, there's other clubs that claim their development. But, <laughs> I, you know, I was the one that saw most of them. Right. And the coaches within our staff, A.J. Ray, those guys were involved. Michael Squercos were involved in those kids' development. So, you know, there's one kid that's a U17 uh, going to Bosnia for the U17 Bosnia national team. Are you serious? Yes, he started with him when, you know, Coach Craig started with him at first when he was uh, U10, U9, U10. Um, And we carried him all the way through U15 until he went to Nashville. So, um, you know, we know how to do it. It's And and we have a track record of doing it. Um, So, you know, that's, that's the biggest difference, you know. Um, does it cost a little bit of money? Sure, anything costs some money. Right. But is it worth it? You know, and would you rather put your put your money where you know that your kid's going to get developed? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think you brought up a really good point there. There are multiple clubs out there for different needs. If you're not someone who's like wants to be super professional and wants to have a, a, a professional type experience as a youth player, you know, those other clubs well, may be good for that. And here's the thing, too, Jimmy, is our goal as a program is to have a program for every player in the community. If they want to play recreational, we're going to build a recreational okay. program. Okay. Um, but, you know, for the for the youth academy part, part of it, and all the way through, we are trying to create a professional pathway. You are dropping some dimes in there. Possible recreation league, possible <laughs> girls and women's team. I, I, I hear we what you're picking a, down there. We want to be the club of the community. We're going to be. And, right. Um, and we want to have an opportunity for every kid that wants to play here to be able to do that. Okay. So with that in mind, Coach, I have heard a lot of hubbub on social media, and I've seen some emails that some of the other youth clubs have sent out. Is there anything specifically that you would like to address uh, when it comes to those other clubs? Yeah, I would just, you know, we're very proud of what, we, what we're doing and where we're headed. Um, we, you know, we hired the staff. We brought these guys in because of the vision that we share. And that's right. why most of these kids come and most of these families come. We've got kids from all over Western Kentucky that come here and play for us. Um, most of those kids will tell you, and, and they don't leave. They come here mm-hmm. and they're driving, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, two, three nights a week just to come to practice. Right. Um, why do they do that? Well, they do it because it's top notch, it's top quality. You know, the next thing is, can we build a quality facility to be able to, to host all that all the time, you know? And can the city parks get right. behind what we're doing to support us? Um, because that's going to be key too. Um, you know, the, the, we've had a lot of interest in a girls program, um, and it's our goal to build something like that. Sure. Right now, we want to take it one step at a time. Right. Uh, the next thing is we have to be able to have a place to host our girls. Right. Um, and we don't have that yet, so we're working with the city to 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 make that possible. But um, you know, there's a there's just we're very proud of what we're doing we're super excited we've had a tremendous amount of uh registrations and for trials and this week it's going to be awesome 
um, and the staff is is quality, and they're they're really excited to be a part of it. Absolutely. We're having a lot of guys that you know continue to to reach out that want to get involved. Uh, we we're going to do what we can to help them, you know, and you know we'll see where this thing goes. But but uh, we're pretty excited about what's happening. Yeah, and, and I think it is an exciting time. I mean, just being around the office, talking to some of the other folks, like there's a lot of excitement going on with BGFC right now. So, you know, I'm really confused, if I'm being honest. You know, why are some of these other clubs trying to confuse other families and trying to say things that aren't, I mean, I'll flat out say it, they aren't true. Sure. Well, like I said, Jimmy, people are going to talk, and that's fine. Um, when they come over and see what we're doing, they stay. And that's that's the difference. And so, come you check go. it out. Come be a part. That's yeah. what tryouts are. Absolutely, go, it doesn't make make you mean that you're committing to a club. Absolutely, you're allowed to go to tryouts in Louisville. There's probably twelve different clubs now, right? And there's probably four that are top notch clubs. Um, well, go try all four of them, right? Know, and see see the difference. Go to go to the two or three tryouts, you know, and then you'll see the biggest differences when you get there. So, right. um, we had a incredible U9 and, and 10 and, and U11 trial uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, we formed three teams already. Um, it's so crazy those, that we've those, already got that formed. And a lot of those kids came from those other clubs. So hmm. that should tell you enough. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to shift gears a little bit, Coach. I want to talk – I want to kind of go through some of the games this season and talk a little bit about – what happened so that, you know, people out there, maybe they haven't made it to a game or they didn't see the results online. Um, you know, so going all the way back, you know, we did lose that uh, opening preseason match to Metro Louisville. You know, you and I have talked about that a lot, so I don't want to stick on that too much. In short, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of experiment, just trying to get a lot okay. of different things out there. Preseason match doesn't mean much, right? No, we had a totally different team that was there that day than where <laughs> we are now. Yeah. And, but that team was good enough to get a win over Nashville Knights, 3-1. Um, Nisic had a hat trick in that game. For me, Amisi and the back line was some of my most impressive things. Um, however, we move on to that next matchup in Murfreesboro against Beeman United, and it did not go our way in any way, shape, form, fashion. 7-2. to uh, On paper, it seems like a really bad loss. However, I think there's more to that. So... To me, it seemed like we didn't have our full team, especially what we have no. now. It's totally different. Um, as well as the match just seemed to almost get away from us. We we're always on our back foot that game. Sure. So, Coach, from your perspective, what happened in that match and what did you take away from it? Uh, I mean, the biggest thing that happened in the game is we, we struggled to adjust to their, their formation and how they played their style of play. We Talk about that. They were a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, we struggled to figure out how to match up in midfield, mm. how to match up in the back line. Um, and it, but it also helped us realize going at, into it after that game how we should adjust. Some players were, were being played in the wrong position, some out of necessity because we weren't full, at our full roster. Right. Um, so, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. You know, we got into it. Our speed of play wasn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, but simple man to man tracking from midfield, tracking yeah. from the back line, um, just simple tactical, tactical principles. Well, um, and specifically on that, I remember, I don't know if it was their first or second goal, literally the guy drove in from almost mi- like half field oh, yeah. all the way in. Yeah. Like no Straight one stepped line. in. Yeah, like yeah. nobody stepped in to stop him. I mean, not to use a basketball reference, but, you know, sometimes you have to stop ball. <laughs> and we <Slow>. didn't. <laughs> yes. But, no, I mean, we watched film that week. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of guys pointing fingers after the game, immediately after. Mm. Uh, and then once you watch the film, it was kind of eye-opening for them. 
and very humbling. Right. But there's things that, you know, when we say, talk to them about coaching staff and some guys want to take the criticism, some guys, you know, it's, they're proud of who they are as a player. They've gotten, they're accomplishing things, but they need to be able to, to put that aside and listen. And then when they see it on film, they really can't say anything and they learn from it. So right. we did respond after that game. Absolutely. And you're exactly right. Next home match or next match was at home against Deportivo Mijalisco, uh, 4-1 victory. Uh, you know, you kind of alluded to this coach, but, you know, just to restate, what was the biggest difference between Beeman United and Deportivo? Well, I mean, Beeman was a was a better team than Deportivo, there's no doubt. <laughs> we also got that red card early against Beeman, yep. you know, so we were playing a man down for about 45 yep. minutes. So, but, you know, and, and guys, let's be honest. I mean, we've we're, we're very good at home, and we struggled on the road. Well, why do yeah. we struggle on the road? Because we haven't consistently taken the same team on the road that's been at our home games. Uh, we also had been able to watch film, so we corrected some things. We, we changed some things in midfield. Um, and, and the biggest thing we can talk about with the player all the time is being available, you know, player right. availability through injury or just simply being available to be on the squad. So, um, but, you know, we played well um, against Deportivo. You know, the team – if if we do the little things, if if we if we play simple, if guys look to play off each other, play with each other, um, we're pretty dangerous. If if we get into things where we're trying to dribble and you know everybody wants to be a one on one player and we're we're making bad decisions, you know it's it's going to be a long day. So right. So you know from there went into that month long break. Uh, what was your approach to the break? What was training like? Those kind of things. It was good. I mean, that was a, that was kind of a new preseason almost. Um, the, <laughs> For real, though. And we also started getting some of the college guys back. And right. so, you know, we were trying to get through those first three games knowing that we had a lot of talent coming back in um, and get those guys then once they got in, get them kind of acclimated to how we wanted to play. So right. um, that, was, that was important. So with, you know, Jansen and some of the other folks that came in at that point – was there any chemistry issues? Was there anything that you were concerned about, especially during that break? No, the chemistry was never the issue. Uh, it's just trying to get guys acclimated. And, and you know, also, guys, as a staff, um, how often can we have the same back four playing together? Mm-hmm. How often can we get the same midfield playing together um, health-wise? You know, the guys making sure they're at training, things like that. So we've got some talented guys. They don't always show up. So we can't right. roster them. They're not showing up. So um, that stuff's important. Um, but uh, – you know, the group is from a chemistry standpoint is I feel like it's a better group than it was last year. Yeah. And, you know, that first game that was supposed to happen was that trip to Mayfield mm-hmm. against the uh, Paducah Pumas premier, whatever your name is. Just get out of our league. <laughs> uh, but they canceled for the first time. I kind of heard some mixed reports. You know, at first we were told the school wasn't ready. You know, they aerated the field. Um, however, I heard from an official uh, and one of our other matches who was supposed to do that game, that actually the Graves County High School uh, was hosting prom that weekend, and they didn't want any additional people up there at the school for that weekend. I know our game was supposed to be on Friday. Prom would have been on Saturday. Um, but it just seemed kind of confusing. So I don't know, is there any other things that you have on no, that? No, I mean, I know their coach real well, and he's a, he's a solid guy. Chili is over there, and he's he's done a great job with their program. He did send me pictures of the film or of the field. It, okay, it so it was Toro. Okay, he was very upset about it. Um, he wants to play. They've been in a really unfortunate situation. They yeah. struggled with refs getting over there. Yep. But but Chili's a top notch guy. And so, okay, so I'll take my statement back. Yeah, it's all right. I'll, I'll so, walk it back. Yeah, he's a good coll- a friend and a colleague, and yeah, I, that's it's really not up to him. So, 
So then the first return or first match returning from that break was the Coptic Nashville City 18-0, biggest goal differential in franchise history. It looks nice on paper. What was there anything that you took away from it? Uh, I mean, it gave us a chance to play some guys, you know, and that was that was good. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't see a lot, you yeah. know, but but it's you know the guys came out and responded and wanted to play and got a result and moved on. So, do you know the coach down at Coptic? I do not. Good, I will happily say it again. <laughs> I really do, and I'm being dead serious. The UPSL needs to consider not having them in the league. <laughs> That's not acceptable. They lost every game yeah. by close to ten goals. Like. Yeah. There are teams in this league that are good that deserve those kind of victories, like us and Beeman and Itterbide, but some of these other teams are beating them 12-0. Like, yeah. you're just as big of a scrub as they are. Sorry. Not sorry. Um, but that huge game, huge win and the big goal differential set us up in a chance where we could have had a chance at first place. However, next weekend, back on the road, this time in Evansville, Indiana, against Midwest Hooligans. Another road game, another loss, 3-0. Um, to me, it really seemed like the team just didn't have what it took to, to beat Midwest Hooligans. They expected to roll in and get an easy W and didn't fight. They didn't complete passes. It was some simple things of not fighting for the ball, some stuff like that. You know, from your perspective, what in the heck happened in Evansville? Yeah, I mean, we had a turbine set for Sunday. Right. And bottom line, I think guys overlooked it. Um well, we know we know they did. Um, right. We had discussed it quite a bit in training that week. Uh, training had not been as strong as it needed to be, and uh, you know it transpired into to how we played. So, you know, you got to give Hooligans credit. They uh, they had a huge crowd there that night. They did, um, and they were up for it. I mean, yep. they they kind of want to turn this into a rivalry game. Oh, I think it easily could yeah. be. <laughs> and so, and to, uh, hats off to them. They played really well. Um, you know, they were physical, they were first of the ball, they made us uncomfortable, um, you know, and we just, we never dictated how the game needed to be played on our terms. We, we right. were forced to play on theirs and, and chase the game. So, you know, there was a chance, it was a 1-0 game, and uh, Ryan hit the post. Yeah, um, would have made a big difference. Would have made a huge difference. Um, and, but after that, you know, we really didn't respond great. Second half, we controlled possession. But we did not get a good, a lot of good looks. Um, yeah. You know, shots on target. You know, so I think we might have had three or four shots in the whole game, and, and maybe one on target. So, yeah, it wasn't offensively speaking. It wasn't a good uh, effort in my mind. But we were missing some guys that game. Uh, True. And and once again, we didn't. You know, we didn't travel well. We, you know, we didn't have the mirror that night. We didn't have Jansen that night. Um, you know, we were we were still working on some things in the midfield. Defensively, we had our back line, and so. You know, to give up three wasn't, you know, wasn't a great thing with what we felt like was our starting back line at the time. But, we were also but Midwest, Hayden and Midwest earned those three, though. Like, they, they, did. they did fight, and they really pushed us. So, like, I don't want to discredit them too much. Well, and, too and much. we missed, like I said, we missed Peyton, and that, that <laughs> yeah. helps us a lot defensively mm-hmm. uh, from an outside midfielder standpoint, too, and we weren't tracking very well on the outsides. But, you know, live and learn. Um, right. You know, it was a chance for some guys to step up and – um, you know, unfortunately they didn't, but it helps you make your decisions moving forward. So, and you mentioned their crowd, like they were all over Jimmy yeah. in that first half. They were all over Ben in that second mm-hmm. half. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they, they were, they were a good crowd. Um, but we moved on from that one. We lost out a chance on first place, solidly still in the playoff though. And we take on the biggest matchup of the season at home at the pit versus Itterbide. 
their fans, the Interbite fans, showed up early, and my lord, they were spirited. Yes, they were. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little too spirited. What a great environment, though, that Oh, night. my that gosh. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, and it really yeah. pushed, like, our fans. It pushed the yes. Lions then to actually show up and to, to do some good cheering and help push the team. Um, you know, they <laughs> – Well, you can see what we play like when we're motivated. You right. Know? So, <laughs> right. can we get them motivated every game? We'll see. But that was uh, – yeah, that we that was – Probably what we had told them was our best performance, maybe in the history of the club that night. So it was a very mm. good team to beat. Um, they they have a lot of former pros. Uh, they're mature guys, you know, and they and they're and they're good. So uh, to win four two and to dominate the way we did, uh, it shows you what you're capable of. Was there anything specifically that we did that really put us over the edge, over the top? I should say. I think it was the first time we were at full. Cylinder mm. like had everybody available, you know, and everybody was tuned in and ready to go. They knew it was a big game, right. they had, and plus the coming off the loss Friday. Oh yeah, you know, you had a chance to respond. So, um, you know, our midfield was incredible that night. Um, Backline defensively, we were really good, and uh, and we got a ton, you know, from the front three. So, what was the locker room like after that? They were pretty fired up. I bet. <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw yeah. some some photos afterwards, yeah. and they just looked like they were having yeah. a good time. So, yeah. so after the biggest upset in UPSL uh, for the season, your Golden Lions went up to or no, stayed at home um, to take on E Town Ignite four one victory. Um, you know, coach, talk to us about how you really helped refocus the team after that huge win to take care of business versus E Town. Yeah, I mean that was just you know some of these things we talked to the guys about, you know. Sometimes you're going to be more talented than the other teams and you, you know, you don't have to put out your best effort. Um, this group is talented. They're, they're very, very talented. Um, but they have to get to the point where they're consistently putting the effort and the work in to improve. Right. Um, so, you know, we stepped on field. We played very well that night. We still felt like we probably kind of left four or five goals out there, you know, that we didn't execute in. But, you know, we got a result, got the three points, you know, move on. So, right. Um, but the, the thing is, is this group needs to understand, can we get better every time we step on the field? Whether it's practice, whether it's, you know, one-on-one battle inside the game, uh, whether it's a 50-50 challenge, right. whatever it is, can you be better than your opponent, you know, every single time you, you're up against it? And so um, that's where we need to start focusing on moving into this playoff run. Right. And, you know, speaking of that, the last two most recent matches here as we're closing out today, uh, we're supposed to play Pumas again in Mayfield, not Paducah, uh, but it was postponed again. Um, you know, Coach, I heard some stuff about officials weren't available because it was Youth Cup weekend, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, will we have to make up that match? Will it be a forfeit by Pumas? Do we know anything at this point? It looks like it could. We're just we're not we don't know yet. So. Okay. Um, they also had their game Friday night canceled yeah. because of state cup referees as well. They're just not getting over, uh, refs over there. The um, referee assigner decided to step down last week. Okay, so that, I did hear that. So that didn't help them at all either. Nope. Um, <laughs> and so and and we had an interesting you know uh, crew on Saturday night. So yeah, uh, yeah, we can get into that. Let's, here in well, minute. no, let's transition right yeah. into it. Uh, Deportivo Mialisco this time in E Town. Uh, it was a sloppy match, if I'm just being honest, from a lot of perspective from the broadcast and beyond. Um, but 5-5 draw. I don't know if I've ever seen a 5-5 draw. 1-1, 2-2 at most, but never 5-5. Um, 
So why did BGFC have to make such a crazy comeback to only get a draw? Well, and Jimmy, you know, we were kind of harsh on the players after the game. Uh, one, we gave up five goals. I mean, that's, right. you know, at this level. But it's it's the way we gave the goals up, you know, mm-hmm. that, that was, you know, rather frustrating. But what did the team show? They showed incredible grit to come back. And, you know, against Beeman, we didn't do that. Uh, right. Here on the road in a really tough environment, you know, scoring three goals in, what, the last ten minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, that a shows, fever coming. I mean, it was unbelievable, and yeah. so it shows what they what they are. Mm-hmm. What we don't want to see is what we saw for for most of the game. You know, uh, we talked in the pregame about being self disciplined. You know, not not fa- the, the field was a hundred yards long, so right. anytime you were you made a silly foul, they were going to serve a ball into the box or anything in your half of the field. They could shoot on target because it was such a small field. Because that's foul is that game, their normal place. No, they play. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But anyway, the, we we make a silly foul early. Two young guys, talented guys, uh, Jimmy and Ryan, we talked about it. Um, you know, there's two of them there. There's one player with the ball. He's going – his back is turned to goal. You know, just force him back. We don't need to clip him and foul him. And then the guy hits a beautiful free yeah. kick. You know? Yeah. And so now they've got their crowd into it. Now right. they're And so now they can start to play in their favor. How do they want to play? Well, they want to kick us. They want to chop us down. Yep. They want to – Frustrated, they want to kick the ball out, and we can never get rhythm. And then there's a, it's a small field, so it's super compact, and and to be able to move the ball, and plus the, the pitch was the surface was incredibly poor. But all that said, you can't go into an environment like that on the road and put yourself in that position, right? Um, and so that's a growing thing for the guys. Can we grow up? Can we get past that? Uh, the other thing, you know, Deportivo's got grown men. They're they're yeah. players. They're strong guys. They're yeah. They're adults. Um, big and physical, <laughs> and, and that's how they want to play. Um, well, at the pit, we could spread them out and just right. absolutely go through them. But but there, it was, you know, we struggled with them. Uh, the second goal, you know, we, we give up a, a, a punt, I believe, and yep. the guy flicks the ball on, yep. and center back doesn't track. And, um, you know, we had we had some things go down this week where we, we lost our two starting defensive center mids. Mm. Um, our starting center back, um, both starting center backs, one one's not there anymore, and the other one got hurt. So your your four key pieces through your spine, you know, are not there. Right. Um, and so we were trying to solve that problem, you know, inside the game because all this happened Wednesday night. There's no time to train. Jesus. So it was a, uh, you know, that's that was part of the problem. But but as players, they're they're capable, you know, and they know what they should be doing. When a guy's getting ready to flick a ball on, you know, and and you're on top of their, you probably need to start dropping off and track your man. Um, but just reading the game a little bit better, you know. And then uh, I think the third goal, or maybe even the, it was the fourth goal, uh, it's just straight clearance. Yep. And our two center backs are spread out and yep. no thought process of this is a counterattack opportunity. We, we've got to get ourselves just, in a better position. The guy literally position. just split them. Yeah, starting yeah. position. If, if, if this guy plays the ball out, am I in a good position to make right. sure I can get to the ball first? So it's, it's it's those are things we've got to grow through, but we're smarter than that, and we can we can recover those things and, and sort it out. But like I said, I mean, we kind of switched and went to a three five two late, uh, try to get two guys up there and just go man on man with their center backs and see if you know see if we could just get something and uh, you know still have wide play because uh, you know when we were able to get the ball in wide areas, we were decently effective. Um, you know, you still have to stretch the field, you know, especially as compact as it is. And, Create angles to penetrate, but um, you know the guys solved the problem. They got the mm-hmm. point. Um, they did. It was a major point because what it does, Jimmy, is that if we went out, it puts us in the third. 
Right. Um, and so we avoid the four or five game. Yes. Um, and, and <laughs> would prefer to do yes, that. Yes, that's key. So, you know, it's a huge point. Um, and, and now if we went out these last two games, then we'll, we'll be where we want to be. Right. If we did that, uh, if we played in the 3-2 game, would we play probably at Deportivo again then? No, Deportivo will fall to fourth. Okay. And Beeman will fall to second if the Turbide wins out. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, you know, last thing, Coach, I, I want to ask about uh, – <laughs> You know, I'm kind of hearing from some of the players and some of the people around the, the team that you don't always play the best starting 11, that maybe you pick some favorites and those are who you ride with. Talk to me about how you go about picking your starting 11 and, you know, is there any truth to you playing favoritism? Uh, never play favorites, man. We play the guys that deserve it, that earn it. Um, do we sometimes see a player that can make an impact off the bench mm-hmm. and believe that that player can give us better 30 minutes than maybe 60 Right. From a fitness standpoint, absolutely. You know, Demir um, kind of started out like that. You know, you brought him off the bench early, and now he's starting, right? Yes. Well, yeah. he started in the last game. Okay. Um, but how effective was he when he came off the bench mm-hmm. in the 30th minute when the other when the opponent was tired? Right. Scored two goals. Right. Uh, we did that a little bit with Jimmy last year, mm-hmm. um, you know, where Jimmy came off the bench and was hugely impactful in the final of last year's conference championship game. So – you know, everybody thinks it's easy to pick a starting lineup. Guys, <laughs> it's not you know, FIFA. It's no, and, and, and guys, you know, we're trying to figure out who certain pieces that fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing I can guarantee you is that, uh, you know, from a record standpoint, um, it's pretty easy to see that, that, you know, most of the time we get it right. Yep. Um, but at the same time, you know, guys have to perform. Yeah, you know, there's been guys that have trained really, really well, and they look like they should start, and then they get into the game and they don't perform. Um, so that's that's the that's the real key is can you can you can you translate what you're doing in training mm-hmm. to the game? Right. Um, so you know, we've had some musical chairs with guys because one injury, two performance, yep. three fitness, things of that nature. Four does the guy. Does the, if we're try, in a pressing system, does our nine press with the seven, eleven, and the ten? Um, because that's key. Um, you know, does, are our outside backs able to get forward, and can they play and combine with the seven, eleven? Right. Um, can you get that chemistry going to where you can play off each other? Can they create overloads? Are yeah. they fit enough to to do those things? So, you know, um, Ben was a huge impact off the bench the other day. He, mm-hmm. he came in thirty minutes and really kind of changed the game. Just with work rate, just right. with work rate. Um, so that's key. Um, you know, we had an issue. We were trying to figure out a, a young player at center back whether he was ready to to start um, against Deportivo or to go with another guy that's a little older and has some college under his belt. And um, you know, you have to make a choice there. We as right. a staff are like, you know, what do we think is the best best situation? Um, one player didn't have a great practice on Wednesday night, and so we were like, you know, maybe he's not ready. Right, um, like what do you do? Like Then he came into the game and he responded. You right. Know? So um, it's easy to always second guess, you know, um, but it's the easiest thing as a coach would be if all the players would perform <laughs> perfectly every time. Right, it just doesn't right. work that way. I mean, we're dealing with humans. Yeah, Again, yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to be coy or anything, but, like, it, it's not FIFA. Like no. you're not going to go in there and automatically have your roster set. Like mm-hmm. this is real. Yeah. Well, they're not. They're not paid professionals, right? You know, and so their fitness levels are going up and down. Their yep. performance levels are going up and down. 
And it's their job, you know, make it so difficult for me to say, dude, he played 30 minutes. He was incredible. I right. have to start in the next game. Right. And then if you start, can you go 60? Can you go 70? Can you go 75? Yeah, and that's the other thing. Sometimes these guys can't play that long mm-hmm. at that level. Absolutely. So can they give us their best for 30 minutes? Does that make us a better team? And that's where I have to make that decision. Um, and some of those guys did. You know, um, we're not singling about anybody out, but some of, of those guys not. didn't play. They got the start, right? And didn't perform, right? Know? So, well, I mean, I think that's what happened in the first half against Deepo Devo. Like it wasn't as clear cut as it was against the first time when yes. we played them. Like, like you said, there were some players that just weren't as good as they had been in previous games, and you got to mix up. Yeah, and you know, like I said, we've had guys that played incredibly well against the turbine. Yep, and. Where were they against hooligans? I don't know. You know, <laughs> it's the same body, but you know, right, where, right. you know, and so, uh, and then you know, mentally, you know, can you handle can you handle the pressure of the game all the time? Not make it about you, but about the team. Absolutely, um, being selfless instead of you know about me, 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 and making it a personal ego battle, and you're making bad decisions that hurt the team. Right. So those are all things. They're they're yeah, they're still a lot of these guys are you know. 21, 22 years old, but younger. You know, we've right. got five kids that are – five guys that are 19 years old Jeez. that were in the team the other night. One was uh, one was 20, and I think three or two or three were 21. You know, so Man. we're super young. The talent's there. But right. these – as a 21-year-old, your mental focus is totally different than a 26, 27-year-old. Right. And so, you know, you're still trying to prove yourself and do these things – but, but play within the team structure, do the things we ask you to do. Um, it's not their job to, to second-guess the, how the lineup is started. It's their job to perform when they get in there. Absolutely. So, and if they'll do that, we'll be successful, I have no doubt. So. Right. We'll make another run, mm-hmm. round of 16, yeah. round of 8. Who knows this yeah. year? You know, but I agree with you. we got to perform. And, you know, like I said, it's, you know, when you've got four guys that, that uh, you expect to be in the 20-man squad and, and three of the four are starting, Right, you don't have them there, and it's right through your spine. Yep. It's a tough adjustment to make. So, I don't think I realized. You learn, you know, you learn from those guys who can handle it. You know, what I mean? right. who can handle it. So, you know, those those changes will be made in the depth chart this week, and we'll figure it out. All right, so, coach, I'm gonna. That's the end of my questions. You're out of the pressure room. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go on and close this out here for this episode, episode four of our BGFC Weekly Podcast. Just as a reminder, we do have one final regular season match. At E-Town again, this time against Elizabethtown Ignite on June 11th. Do we have a time or location for that one yet? It's uh, in E-Town at the sports Okay, park. it'll be at the sports yes, park. Okay. I don't know what field. I think it's at 7, but it's, it says okay. to be determined right now on the schedule. I believe it's at 7 yep. p.m. <laughs> Everywhere it still says to yeah. be. So it'll be 7 Eastern, so 6 o'clock back here in Bowling Green. Right. So an hour earlier than our previous match. Should be, so. <laughs> but again, to get that final word, please keep to our uh, our social media. We will yeah. keep you up to date. I promise you on that. And if you can't make the trip, make sure you also watch us on the live streams. Uh, we have a live stream of every match uh, from UPSL standards. Uh, some of them are a little bit better than others, if I'm being honest. But, you know, hey, at least it's watchable. Yeah. So as a reminder, we are still looking for a full-time sponsor for the podcast. So if you own a business and you would like to sponsor the podcast, please let us know. I know I've reached out to a few people and I know that you watch the show because I get to watch some of the uh, the analytics and get to see who watches and where you're from. So come on, give me a sponsorship. It's not that much. Um, and I promise you, you'll get a lot of publicity out of it. Um, and then as a reminder, 
we are still new, so we're working on establishing our schedule and getting things more on track moving forward. But as we're starting to move potentially into the off season, if you have stories that you want us to cover, if you have people that you want us to to interview and to talk to, especially if they're from the Bowling Green or the Western Kentucky region, uh, please let us know. Um, and lastly, a typical sign off from every podcast or YouTube video. Please make sure you like, rate, subscribe, comment, do all of those things. And that will wrap it up. And this is Jimmy signing off.